I prefer war movies over most movies because they have such a historical flavor to them and because they seem to have so much passion and effort put into them all the time. That being said, ever since I watched a recent war movie, I thought about making my own list and trying to decide how I was going to make a top 10 or top 11 list. What is the difference between an action movie and a war movie? That's a very good question, and one that came to some tough decisions being made about what could be justified as a war film. Granted, a few movies that I thought were 50-50 I decided to leave out, because maybe I considered them a little bit more of an action film, but basically the rule was there had to be a conflict involved. And it had to be a key component of the film. So, I mean, this is pretty obvious, but something like Die Hard would not be on this list. And something like uh, Taken or John Wick would not be on this list. Because although it's an incredible action movie, it's not a war film. There's no war. John Wick going to war with basically our universe's Illuminati is not really a war film. History, you got bonus points if it was based on a true story, but I think when you look at my list, most of it, I don't, some of these were not based on true stories. Let me also start by saying Band of Brothers and Generation Kill are not on this list because they're more of an HBO series. They're not really a movie. Although, if they were, Band of Brothers would probably be my number three and Generation Kill my number four. I think they're both phenomenally made, and I highly, highly recommend them. So, with that being said, let's get right into this. Number 11, I have Full Metal Jacket, the Stanley Kubrick film. Most people like the first half of this movie, but I think the second half of the movie punches quite the punch as well. It's a fantastically made film, although maybe not as high stakes of an exciting finale I think it still gets the point across this isn't a war film where you have these massive battles and crazy things happening it's very down-to-earth and very squad level I really enjoyed this film but it's not in the top 10 because I don't think the action is standout although that isn't what the movie was trying to portray Full Metal Jacket also is about the Vietnam War in case you haven't seen it, and about the training the recruits got to turn them into killing machines. It's an incredible film. Just maybe not in my top 10 war movies, as you can clearly see. Number 10, I think, is going to get a little bit of flack, but it's Saving Private Ryan. A lot of people, I think, would put these in their top three. And I'll say the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan might be the best shot, best choreographed, the acting is amazing apparently real veterans of world war ii said that it gave them like ptsd saving private ryan is a pretty amazing film but i am gonna be honest it really in my opinion does fall off in the second half and also the whole ryan reveal and the kind of climax to the movie although it's really exciting i think it kind of goes away from the tone that most of the movie was trying to set basically in this film like for most of the movie, it's pretty, maybe not down to earth, but it's very gritty and very kind of not completely over the top. 
The last kind of act to me is kind of just over the top, unrealistic, which I know realism shouldn't be important, but the movie was trying to set up a type of realism. And to tell you the truth, the ending kind of does get a little ridiculous. As these guys, the allies with basically low ammo and almost no weapons, are able to fight tiger tanks and artillery, and they're outnumbered something like 4 to 1. I don't know. To me, it's a little bit ridiculous, the ending, and they could have done it a lot better, but that's just my opinion on the matter. Next, number nine, and this came out the same year, but I think it's the superior film. And it takes place in World War II, but not on the Normandy side, like Saving Private Ryan did. This one takes place in, uh, basically, I think most of the movie takes place in islands around Japan. I think the furthest they get is Okinawa, but I could be incorrect. That is the thin red line. Not as star-studded as Saving Private Ryan with Tom Hanks and, uh, like, Vin Diesel and the rest of the cast, but... I think the thin red line tells a better story. It says more about the humanity during com or during conflict. And I think it explains the loss of life a lot better. The battles are pretty intense. A lot of characters out of nowhere get just killed. It's hard to make connections at times in this movie because characters you see just die out of nowhere. I think the climax is also pretty good. It's pretty... I don't know. This whole film, just to me... It, it's one of the best World War II movies. And I think the reason I like it so much more than Saving Private Ryan is because... It just seems way more grounded than the last act of Saving Private Ryan. And I think the characterization's a little better here. Anyways, that's my number nine. Number eight is Das Boot. This was originally a German TV series about uh, basically a German U-boat, I guess, sailors. And uh, I think the thing about Das Boot that's so intriguing is it's we're seeing the World War II conflict and the U-boats from the Axis side. And it's a very intriguing look at how they see the war, what their thoughts are, what their reflections are, who they are as people. And even though, you know, they're on the wrong side of history, they're not all bad people. They just so happen to be German fighting in this conflict. A lot of them don't agree with what the Germans are doing. They just, it, they have to serve. I think they're very, a lot of these characters are very well written. I love that we get the journalist who's kind of covering the war. And he kind of keeps getting looped into these adventures that they go on and when I say adventures I mean almost death experiences and then the end of the movie I don't want to spoil it but it's just heartbreaking we're with these characters for so long and I won't spoil it it's just it's really hard to watch the ending number seven to and again Das Boot takes place during World War Two. number seven is The Outpost and until recently I thought it was the best film covering the war in Afghanistan also, if you have a lot of curiosity about the conflict in Afghanistan, I highly, highly recommend watching the movie Restrepo. It didn't make this list because it was more of a documentary, in my opinion, than a war film. But Restrepo, I actually think, is better than The Outpost for seeing what Afghanistan really was. But again, it's more of a documentary. So, The Outpost stars Scott Eastwood 
Clint Eastwood's son, and he's phenomenal in this. And uh, also, Orlando Bloom's in it too, oddly enough. Not for too long, though. Spoiler alert. But I think this film really shows the helplessness that the Afghanistan conflict was at times, especially, you know, without having the greatest of support, especially on the outskirts. It's a vi- like I think the footage. I don't know how realistic this is. A real veteran would have to tell me if the combat's realistic, but it like the action's really well filmed in this movie. It's a phenomenal film in that regard. It's exciting. That's all I'm gonna say about it. I think the performances are good. Uh, some of the characterization's a little rushed, but I think the action is just so well filmed and so good. Just from a pure action standpoint, this film is phenomenal. Number six, and also the outpost was based on a true story. And actually, people who served in the actual battle during the... Basically, the movie's about an outpost, and it's surrounded by Taliban on the mountains, and basically at the end, they all come in. It's pretty obvious, but it's all building up to the final battle. Real people who fought in that battle, like, were kind of not exactly extras, but had roles in the film. Very good. Number six, A Bridge Too Far. This is, you know, the ultimate, I think it's the best World War II film. It's got, like, Sean Connery, it's got Michael Caine. It's basically about Operation Market Garden and how everything that went wrong went wrong. Hugh, or not Hugh, uh, Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's also in this too, although he's got more of a minor role, I suppose. I think this is the best World War II film I think it does a great job at showing you the Allies' point of view and the Axis's point of view and how both need to take their objectives and what they're going to do to take them. It is a losing... This Okay, I'm what I'm about to say is absurd, but just follow me for a sec. If you're a young person and you played the game Halo Reach, at times this movie kind of seems like that video game. What could go wrong in Operation Market Garden did go wrong. And there were lots and lots of military blunders. And it seems like one of those cases where the allies in this, in this, you know, I, I've read that this movie isn't perfectly accurate, but the allies really just bit off more than they could chew and they didn't know what to do. And everything again, every airdrop, every reinforcement, every radio transmission, what could go wrong just went completely wrong. There's also a lot of humor in this film, and it's kind of unironic humor. I just find it hilarious, like how this one German general doesn't want to blow up the bridges because he likes them, even though it would cause a military strategic advantage. He wants to keep the bridge. There's just something to me that's kind of funny about that. I don't know why. Anyways, that's my thoughts on that. A Bridge Too Far is a fantastic movie. Michael Caine also is the British officer. is incredible. Number five is the newest film on here, and it's Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. This takes place during the Afghanistan War again, and a little bit later in the war, 2018, and talks about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays a soldier. Well, a staff sergeant, it seems like. I think he's staff sergeant. He's basically the highest in his little his squad, and they're looking for IEDs. He hits an interpreter, and they basically form the covenant of... The interpreter saves his life, so he's got to now go and save the interpreter's life. And it gives a commentary on how the United States, after the war in Afghanistan, failed to get a lot of their interpreters home from Afghanistan as they were promised citizenship, or at least a visa, which has not really happened. It's happened for a bunch, 
I'm assuming I read up a tiny bit about this, and it seems a lot of interpreters did get their visas, but a lot were trapped in Afghanistan when the United States left. And it's, it's created a very... Because these people are seen as traitors to their country, so they're being executed. And I think Guy Ritchie did a really good job at, you know, explaining how it's only fair. You know, they gave a service to the United States and to the Allies. And to I'm Canadian. Like, a lot of these interpreters gave their... Basically gave their reputations and at points their lives on the line for the Allies in that conflict. And it's it's tough that they can't get them out. And Guy Ritchie, I think, has a big point of this film is saying, we need to get them out. It's interpretive, though, and it's not based on a true story. I think it would be higher, but it's a really, really good film. And Jake Gyllenhaal is always phenomenal. I forget who played the interpreter. I apologize, but he's amazing as well. Number four is The Hurt Locker. And this is a film I actually really hated the first time I watched it. But over the years, I've grown to really, really like it. This movie takes place in uh, the war in Iraq. And about like bomb squads. Jeremy Renner stars and uh, the guy who plays Falcon in Marvel. He's in it too. I can't remember his name. And it's also made by James Cameron's ex-wife. And I I don't know what it is. But I think it's funny. This beat Avatar for the Oscar. Um, I think this film genuinely has so much heart. Has so much care. And every performance is top notch. The ending is haunting. The film is an absolute journey. And maybe, you know, if you break this movie up into like two days, you might enjoy it a little bit more. Like I I watched it again a couple summers ago, and I fell in love with it. It's The action is superb. There's not a ton of it, and it's always very low, like not low stakes, but it's not like life and death. You never really see a massive battle. But the tension from certain scenes and just the the feel of it is just absolutely phenomenal. Really good film. And, you know, some people I can see you making the argument that Full Metal Jacket doesn't have any really large-scale battles, and so does Hurt Locker. I just think the Hurt Locker characterization and also, when we do get action, I think it's way better than Full Metal Jacket. Well, obviously, I have it number four. I just think this film is just phenomenal. Like, this would be, like, starting from the outpost, these movies would all be above the B range. But, like, Hurt Locker is probably the first one that's A-. Number three is 1917. 1917 is an absolutely fan... Well, okay, wait one sec. I gotta go back for a sec. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant is definitely an A- movie. Okay, back to 1917. That's my number three. 1917 is not only the greatest World War I film. It's... it. Oh, goodness. I made a big mistake there. Okay, I don't feel like re-recording, but... 1917 isn't the greatest World War I film. What I meant to say is it's the greatest modern World War I film. When they remade All Quiet on the Western Front, I think they did such a terrible job compared to the respect 1917 showed. First of all, 1917 shown is just... It, they try to make it look like it's just one shot with one pause. And it's absolutely incredible. There's no big-name actors besides, I guess, Benedict, Cun Benedict Cumberpatch. I hope I said his name right. Yeah. And uh, I had a little hiccup there, too. I hope that was appropriate. 
Uh, Benedict Cumberpatch is really the only big name, but everyone in this film is absolutely just amazing. I mean, this film does have shades of Dunkirk. You can tell kind of the humanized the humanization reminds me a lot of Dunkirk, and Dunkirk isn't on this list, but it's also a very good war film. But yeah, you know, 1917 is just the battles are all incredible i think it does a lot of respect to world war one the finale is just jaw dropping there's a lot of twists and turns and although some of it's a little ridiculous at times i think it's still grounded and it still makes sense unlike at times saving private ryan 1917 though also the prop work is incredible I highly recommend watching it. Even if you're listening to this and you don't like war movies, I'd still... this 1917 might be the one you like of any of these because it, it feels the most human. Number two, Black Hawk Down. Now, a lot of people call this an American war propaganda film. I call it Ridley Scott throwing an art piece on the wall and just... It's just entrancing. Black Hawk Down is an incredible film, and it's beautiful. It's a, like, the film is shot beautifully. Ridley Scott went all out for this. The actor, the acting in this is absolutely phenomenal, too. I mean, heck, we get Obi-Wan as well. Who doesn't like that? Ewan McGregor. It's all based on a true story. The only part I see people complain about is that Malaysians were involved with the final kind of moments of the battle. And... I think the Malaysians should have been represented, but they're not. But I'm not going to dock the film. Because I think the rest of the film is just so incredible. It might get docked like a point one, But this, you know, they, they did an okay job showing the rest of the UN peacekeeping that tried to help out the states. So basically the story in Black Hawk Down is as it sounds. The Black Hawk helicopters, two of them got shot down while they were doing a mission to uh, get... Somali high-ranking kind of officials and it it didn't go well the whole city of I don't know how to say it Manzabaru or however you say it absolutely just when that mission was wrapping up they were all surrounded and couldn't get out and it's you know it's a movie that almost has like a hopelessness feeling to it like how are they going to have any chance to win it's based on a real event, but I can't even imagine how hopeless the whole thing felt in real life. It was also a complete military disaster for the U.S. And you can tell that Ridley Scott really wanted to show that. And I think the movie also humanizes the Somalians a lot. Especially the one who uh, captures the pilot of one of the Black Hawk helicopters. I think this movie does a good job at showing their point of view and how they're seen as invaders and how Somalian politics do not work like the Western worlds. So why is it being interfered with? I'm not making any sort of political statement on that by saying that. I'm just saying I think that's what the film's trying to tell us through the Somalian characters. Especially the ones higher up when they're giving, they're talking about why the U.S.'s intervention is pointless. I don't know, it's very it's a very intriguing film and very intriguing things to think about. And people say it's very pro US, and it is pro US, and I'll admit, I love the United States. But I would recommend watching this and don't believe people who say it's just a big propaganda piece. I don't 
agree with that at all. In fact, you could say any war movie is a propaganda piece, no matter how you want to look at it. There's no such thing as a true anti-war film, because people go to watch the war film. I've always said that. The closest thing is my number one, and I don't even think it's close. The original All Quiet on the Western Front from the 1930s, which might I add had real German veterans acting as extras and teaching the cast what to do, is not only the greatest war movie ever, as I said, it's not even close. All Quiet on the Western Front, we see World War One from kind of 1915 on from the German perspective of a group of uh, basically almost children, teenagers, who joined the war effort for the Germans. And, you know, it's it's just big battle after big battle, and they seem to live, and then they seem to die, and it's heartbreaking, and the characterization of these characters is the best of any war movie I've ever seen. And, you know, it's, it's a chilling film. I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but the last shot of the movie is literally the ghosts of these young men marching over the grave sites. Just to show the amount of destruction World War I caused. The movie questions why there's even a war. You know, it doesn't portray anyone as a good guy, as a bad guy. It's just we're all people. Forced to become monsters in times of war. I Not only do I highly recommend this, the Netflix adaptation was absolute garbage. I think it was absolute trash. The 1979 actually put an effort... But this one, you know, first of all, the big point of the original All Quiet on the Western Front was the disconnect between the German soldier and the German high command. That was the point of the film. This film absolutely slaps that in the face by trying to make it seem like the German high command had their intentions and that they were trying to, I don't know, it just kind of makes me sick. Daniel Bruhl does an amazing job in the remake, but the original just shows about the disconnect. It shows the isolation. It shows how there's no old men in this conflict anymore. They're all young because all the older ones have died by now from all the battles. We see when Paul goes home from the... So if you haven't seen this film, our, the main character's name's Paul. He's been fighting in France for the last two years. He comes home to see... People who probably never fought in conflicts before talking about how they need to win and what they need to do, and it's hopeless. They don't know that the Allies have tanks. They don't know that they're getting bombarded and that it's tough for them to win a battle. Yet, the disconnect is they're cowards because they're not winning even though they're all dying. I think that's what the remake was missing, most of all, and why the remake makes me sick. Anyways, All Quiet on the Western Front from the 30s is the best film. It's in black and white, so most people might not even want to watch it. But it's the most haunting war film ever made. It's the most anti-war film ever made on my list. In my list, nothing demonstrates anti-war more than this movie. It's also just objectively terrifying. It's a terrifying film. It's something that makes you say, I hope there's never a World War III, because I'd probably get plastered. I probably wouldn't make it, because those guys, though, they were pretty tough, and they had nothing really good come for them. Anyways, that's my number one. 
I get a little emotional talking about All Quiet on the Western Front and the Netflix remake that felt soulless to an extent that tried to have special effects cover up for actual storytelling. Just absolute BS. Anyways, everyone, thank you for listening. You know, God bless, praise Christ. I hope you enjoyed, and uh, hopefully this is uh, posted today. Anyways, take care. Mm-hmm.